good day and welcome to Holding Fast. It's great to have you in the podcast today. How is your anchor holding? Is it gripped firmly to the Word of God? Glad to have you today and I trust that uh, you've started the day out in your meditation with the Lord. It's wonderful how He is so new and fresh every day. And I hope that you wake every day with the opportunity to uh, sense uh, a dependency and a longing for the Lord that He creates a hunger and thirst in you after righteousness and to be more like your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. After all, that's one of the great purposes that, for which God has saved you is that we might be, that you might be just like your Savior, the Lord Jesus. So I hope that you're making progress and you're striving to be more like Christ today. Uh, I think all too often we hear a lot about in churches of being more faithful and being more loving or being more active in your church. But uh, it's not very often that you actually hear somebody say, I want to be more godly. Have you ever thought of that? Has anybody ever has anybody ever prompted your thinking with that, that it ought to be every one of our desires as disciples of our Savior to be more godly in what we do? Today's lesson comes from 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. The Bible says, But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth, literally, a little. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is, and that which is to come. Micah Colbert, Colbert writes about this in his article, and I thought about this as a great podcast for today, uh, that this is largely something that has become an abandoned pursuit in our, uh, in our church circles today that often are just a reflection of the world that we live in. Uh, most believers today have such a level of worldliness in their life or such a, such a resemblance uh, to a sophisticated knowledge of uh, the world that we live in today, where most times our young people are more familiar with the pop entertainers, uh, with uh, the video games and everything else, that they have such a uh, an inbred familiarity with that, uh, in uh, that their that godliness is not something that's really on the horizon or even on the radar. Um, but godliness is something that the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy here, uh, and he is encouraging him to make that a pursuit of his life. It's largely been an abandoned pursuit today. Uh, I think that that's one reason why the watered-down effect of the church on our community and on our society has resulted in some terrible repercussions uh, in terms of the direction that our society is going in. But let me ask you that question today. When was the last time you heard someone talk about godliness? Frequently, you do hear Christians talk about being more faithful or active in their church. But, but how about I want to be more godly? And I think there are several reasons why there's so little interest in being a godly person. Maybe it's because we really don't understand what it is. I think another reason is that it has received a lot of misinformation and bad press in Christian churches today. And there seems to be an aversion in a lot of churches to ever being perceived by the world around us as being puritanical or culturally irrelevant, or somehow we just don't live in the real world. I've heard this said 
of, of uh, generations that have come after me, a couple generations, that uh, the younger people then perceive anybody that has uh, biblical standards or a, a sense of a pursuit of godliness in their life as being culturally irrelevant or being strange or weird. But that's a very interesting thought because the Bible says that we indeed, if we're living Christ-like, if we're living by the Word of God, will be perceived by our culture as being out of touch, as being a little bit backward, because we live by different morals and different uh, principles in life. The word legalism is often thrown around for those uh, as a term for those who believe in godliness, which is a complete misuse of the entire word. A legalist is somebody who believes that you have to keep a set of laws in order to please God and be saved and go to heaven. Uh, that's what legalism is. Legalism is not somebody, though, who believes that as a result of my salvation that I ought to uh, to adorn myself with good works and with godliness and with, with good standards in order that we might reflect uh, the holiness of our God. Uh, I think the indifference that people have towards godliness ought to be very alarming. In churches today, if you preach very much on living a life that is distinct and separate from the world that you live in, there are often people that really get upset or they get uncomfortable and awkward. And I think that that's a terrible tragedy in our churches today when we read in the passage here just a moment ago that uh, the Apostle Paul says, you know, you can exercise your body a little bit and it can profit you to some degree. But godliness is something that's profitable not just for this life, but the life which is to come. And if godliness was held in such high esteem by the Apostle Paul, I think it ought to be that which we consider as a worthy pursuit as disciples of Jesus Christ. The blessings of godliness. I mean, you look at those verses. Paul says to Timothy, he says to exercise uh, yourself unto godliness. The word exercise there is an interesting word. It literally means to train yourself. It's the Greek word gymnazo, from which we get gymnasium. It's it's a reference to a uh, the Greek method of bodily training. Uh, and Paul is saying, though, godliness has a value that is far better than any just present life uh, or physical conditioning. Rather, godliness has a promise for this life and the life to come. Uh, over in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6 in the same epistle, uh, Paul states that godliness with contentment is great gain. The blessings of godliness are immeasurable. Uh, they impact, impact your entire life. I was talking with a pastor the other day. And he, we were thinking back on the blessings that God has given to each one of us. And he made the statement that I concurred with at the time, and I still do. And that is that, you know what, even if uh, living for the Lord and obeying His Word and guiding my life by the principles of the Scripture and living holiness and abstaining from the things of this world that bring heartache to so many people, even if living by that only resulted in having a life of contentment and blessing now, even if it didn't hold that for eternity, my life has been blessed immeasurably by just trying to live according to the Word of God. Now, you think about the invaluable gains that godliness can have. 
uh, in your life. Think of it on your marriage, your relationships outside of your marriage, your family, your school, your work or ministry. It's really staggering. I look at people's lives who have rejected the Word of God. There are even some Bible people, religious people, that have set aside the commands of God and have not lived godly, and they reap repercussions that are soul-wrenching in their life. If we would live godliness in our marriage, live godliness at our work or our ministry, it would really stagger our minds. But even greater than those temporal blessings are the eternal rewards and joys and promises to those who live a godly life. Knowing those promises, it's no wonder that the Apostle Paul urged Timothy to flee worldliness and to relentlessly pursue godliness in their life, to discipline themselves by the Word of God, just as an athlete, a star athlete, takes great pains to make sure that he conditions his body, conditions his mind to perform at peak at a, a, a peak ability. Uh, and it's the same, it ought to be the same way, if not more so, in godliness for the Christian disciple. It is indeed valuable in every way. But what is exactly this godliness? I mean, you look at, I was just reading recently about Tom Brady, and he's supposedly the greatest of all time in the NFL, and he's broken so many records, I don't know if they'll ever be eclipsed by any other player. Uh, but you look at his attention to his craft and to his game and what he does, um, and the amount of time and effort and, and uh, personal self-discipline that he has, you know, he does that for a temporal sport. Uh, living for the Lord and being godly in all of our character. What is that? What is godliness? It's a heart disposition of love of awe and affection toward God that results in a life of joyful obedience and submission to Him. In other words, it's devotion in action. Jerry Bridges is an author who wrote a book that I recommend very highly called The Practice of Godliness. And he explains it this way, quote, Godliness is more than Christian character. It is Christian character that springs from a devotion to God. So often we try to develop Christian character and conduct without taking the time to develop God-centered devotion. We try to please God without taking the time to walk with Him and develop a relationship with Him. This is impossible to do, unquote. So far too often devotion to God is replaced by devotion to activities that we do in the name of the church or some other kind of devotion that we might express. But Bridges notes something important in his book. He said, It is sad that many Christians do not have this aura of godliness about them. They may be very talented or personable or very busy in the Lord's work or even apparently successful in some avenues of Christian service and still not be godly. Why? Because they are not devoted to God. They may be devoted to a vision or a ministry or to their own reputation as Christians, but not to God. Unquote. Wow. Uh, I can testify that this has often been the case even in my own life, and I'm sure that you can say the same thing as well. Let me end today by saying, listen, pursue godliness. Dear listener, today, every believer is called to pursue that. How do you do that? 
you can begin by understanding that it's not something you're doing to impress God. God doesn't need anything that you do that enhances Him in any way. Uh, you don't have the commitment or willpower to, to somehow make yourself godly anyway. It's literally a life that is given over to God. And he then fuels it and sustains it by grace and really magnifies his power in your life. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, uh, teaching us, literally training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. Listen, folks, God's grace not only saves you, but it sanctifies you and enables you to do what you can't do in your own strength. You'll see. In Christ, you have all the grace that you need to live a godly life, empowered by His grace. So why don't we today, in a spirit of prayerful dependence on the Lord, let's throw away all of those things, those worldliness, those pursuits, those passions that we have to immerse ourselves in a world that is so hostile and antagonistic to the cause of Christ. Why don't we abstain from those things that would hurt us uh, spiritually and keep us tied down and instead live in the liberty and the freedom of ever-increasing devotion to our great God, to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm praying for you. Uh, worship the Lord. Walk in obedience to His commands and learn to love the things of God more than the things of this world. God bless you.